The Lord Jesus is the speaker, Matthew 5 and verse 13. And he says, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savour, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. You know, when we think about this, the very context that the Lord Jesus is saying this in is to his disciples. And what has happened is he's given the Beatitudes. In other words, he has given the Beatitudes are really what are, could be termed off the ethics of the kingdom of God. And it's when we learn, as it were, the ethics of the kingdom of God, it helps not just us as kingdom people, as believers in Christ, as followers of Jesus. It helps us and shows us through his grace and power what we should be and how we should become, but also the world, the kingdom that is coming on the earth to be filled with his glory. In that meantime, after this, there's going to be, after that is the Beatitudes, there's a warning that there be persecution. Persecution. And then in verse 13, uh, which is our reading, the Lord Jesus says, you'll have persecution, you'll have reward, in verse 13, he's telling them, don't lose your savor. Don't lose your saltiness, in other words. Now, he said, ye are, present tense at that moment. And the Holy Spirit wasn't even given at this point yet. But ye are the salt of the earth. Why? Because it's in them that the word of God would be made known. Now, we're going to look at this more in depth And I believe not only is he uh, uh, saying this and and, and alluding to it, but far greater than you and I maybe thought. I believe he's looking back way into the old covenant with Israel where God made covenant of salt with the people. And now in the new covenant, he's saying, you're the salt of the earth. You're the salt covenant made with God. And others need to know of this salt covenant. You see... You and I um, have salt in our cupboards, maybe on our table, and it's so readily, easily bought. It wasn't like that in those days. Sometimes they took salt from the sea and they poured it into uh, pools and the, the, the sun would have evaporated it and it became like crusted crystals. And so they had brought it and they had broke it down and ground it up and salted their food with it. So it was a, a, it was a very expensive commodity. And then they'd rock salt and, and different salts like that. But the Lord Jesus was saying, ye are the salt of the earth. So salt was a, a preservative, a purified. Uh, they didn't have your fridges in your fridge freezers. And what they would have done was purified meat with it that would last longer. So salt speaks of continuation. And also it speaks of not only purity and preserving, it was an antiseptic from uh, from disease and from things that maybe cause, would cause a rot in the flesh of a human. And so it was used for many things. But listen, salt, too much salt, was also a poison. It was a sign of judgment. Now, just yesterday, I think it was the day before, I came down and my wife had made me Nice toasties. I was in my study. She shouted up to me. And there it was. Cheese and tomato. One nice bit of bread. Four slices set out on the plate. Presented to me. And it was lovely. And I go over and it was Mexican cheese with spices in it. And I love all that. And I go over and I says, is this salted? I don't usually salt my food. Just here and there. And she says, things like that I would. She says, I don't think so. And I salted it. Well, here, whenever I went to eat it, she forgot she did salt it. <laughs> and so when I bit it, it was like, oh, because I had salted it too. Still at them all night. But <laughs> I, it didn't put me off. So too much salt can be poisonous. It actually speaks of judgment with God. It speaks of barrenness and it speaks of death. For example, in Genesis chapter 14 and verse 3, we have the battle of the kings. Read it when you go home because time wouldn't allow us. 
And we're told that they met by the Salt Sea. Now, some of you have been to the Salt Sea, or maybe in the Salt Sea, I don't know, which is the Dead Sea. Hence its name, because the salt, it's so salty, nothing lives in it. It's dead. So it's the Dead Sea. And this is where that battle was in Genesis 14 of these kings. And then in Genesis chapter 19 and in verse 26, we, we know the story of the angel of the Lord bringing Lot and his family out from Sodom, from the sin of Sodom and all that was entailed in Sodom because the judgment of God was coming and they, they were told the idea was keep going and don't look back. And Lot's wife, what happened? She looked back. I'm sure we all know the story. And when she looked back, we're told she turned into a pillar of salt. Judgment had come to Sodom and judgment came upon her for hankering, for looking with her association of Sodom. Judgment came, so salt was a dead sea. Now salt is a dead woman. A dead woman. Will you turn with me just, we'll read this one even for just something, uh, uh, some of these to read. In Deuteronomy, please, chapter 29. The Lord warned Israel. And I believe this warning, and in Deuteronomy chapter 29, we can't read all of it again for time's sake. It's a wonderful chapter. And I believe it's very applicable for our nation tonight. Think of the things that's going on in our nation, what's happening in our nation. And I think it's very applicable for our nation tonight. Let's just look at Deuteronomy, please, chapter 29. And for time's sake, let your eye run down to verse Thirteen. Pardon me, ten. You shall ye stand this day all before you, all you before the Lord your God, your captains, your tribes, your elders, your officers, with all the men of Israel, your little ones, your wives, and the stranger that is in thy camp, from the hewer of thy wood unto the drawer of thy water, that thou shouldest enter into the covenant with the Lord thy God, into his oath which the Lord thy God maketh with thee this day that he may establish thee today for a people unto himself, that he may be unto thee a God, as he hath said unto thee, and as he hath sworn unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Neither with you only do I make this covenant and this oath, but with him that standeth here with us this day before the Lord our God, and also with him that is not here with us this day. So all that are to come, says, there's going to be an oath made. Notice, for you know how you dealt in the land of Egypt and how we came through the nations which you passed by. And you have seen their abominations and their idols, wood and stone, silver and gold, which are among them. Lest there should be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose heart, notice, turneth away this day from the Lord your God to go and serve the, the gods of these nations, lest there should be among you a root that birth gall and wormwood. And it shall come to pass when he heareth the words of this curse that he bless himself in his heart, saying, I shall have peace, though I walk in the imagination of mine heart to add drunkenness to thirst. Now, notice the people in our nation today. What are they saying? The Lord is saying we were to teach our children. Remember, the Sunday schools used to be packed, didn't they? And, and the, the children's meetings used to be full and Used to be have the churches. I, I'm, I'm so glad that on a holiday time we're full here tonight. And others come in and fill the back up over there. And I'm so glad to see you all. But churches, there's churches and they won't open on a Sunday night because they can't get people to come. I mean all year round, not just summertime. And I'm not saying that against them. I'm saying how sad an indictment it is that people aren't coming to their place of worship. And how they're not, uh, they're not uh, coming to, to worship the Lord and to gather together unto his name. And notice instead of that, they have turned away not only to hear their drunkenness. God warned Israel, called them the drunkards of Ephraim. And we can say that about our nation tonight. We are the drunkards of Ephraim. We have that culture of drunkenness, the culture of drug addiction, and we have a culture of sin. And here he says to them again, he says, your children and everyone with you and every part of employment, they need to know the oath of the Lord your God. They need to follow the words of the Lord. They need to be taught the word of the Lord. 
And then he says, Lest there be any among you, man or woman or family or tribe, notice whose heart turneth away this day from the Lord your God, and go and serve the gods of these nations. Brothers and sisters, from our government down, what other God is served but the gods of imaginations of men and women, the gods of the hearts of the men and women of our nation and of our societies and of our universities and of this land? What other God is served but the gods of the false gods of the heathen that have come in our midst, those who are not a a part of our Christian heritage and our culture, who love not the Lord Jesus Christ, and everything is to accommodate and to serve them. And yet, you and I, who are believers in Christ, we're seeing that our nation is turning away man after man, woman after woman. Our youth, our children need to be taught. Do you know what used to be told? I remember when I was young and I wasn't saved and I used to hear people all the time. I walked up a street and there was a wee old woman bent over like this and her husband couldn't speak a word and his helmet, he leaned back, she leaned forward and she pulled him up and down the shore road in Belfast like this. She said, we Jesus saves badge on her. She used to stop us in a crowd. We'd just like to know the Lord every single night for years. We'd just like to know the Lord. And I can tell you, we used to make fun of that wee woman. Used to make fun of that wee man. Used to tell him we wanted to know nothing about her God. And used to come round at night and offer us, would you come and get into the bus to go to church? We used to laugh and we had, there was a couple of girls, I remember they were twins, and they, they were Christians and they used to get on the bus to go to the Church of God in Whitewell. And I remember laughing at them and making fun of them and spitting at the bus. I remember it well. And here, brothers and sisters, we find now it's no longer trying for Christians used to be asking in workplaces all the time, would you come to church on Sunday night? Would you come to church to hear the word of God? Christ is the answer for your every ill and for your every need. And Christ is the answer for all of your sin. And Christ is the answer to set the captive free. And Christ is the one who'll break your yoke of bondage. Christ lifts you up out of the dunghill to set you among princes. It's Christ, Christ, Christ. Why don't you come and hear the gospel? Come to our church on a Sunday night. And now in many places it's trying to get the Christians to come out to church on a Sunday night. Isn't that true? Where has our people fallen to? Notice that he blessed himself in his heart saying, I have, shall have peace though I walk in the imagination of my heart. How many times will our people saying, whether it's on radio, television, social media, it's my heart. I'll walk according to my heart. Not according to the word of God, but according to my heart. And notice this. To add drunkenness to thirst, the Lord will not spare him. And then the anger of the Lord and his jealousy shall smoke against that man. And all the curses that are written in this book shall lie upon him. And the Lord shall blot his name out from under heaven. Isn't is not terrifying? Does it not terrify us to think that our, our children, who, who even Christians, our children who, who are not good on with God, who we, who we don't try and reach our loved ones and our families? Listen, people say, you know, but if I speak them about the Lord, you know, they'll fall out with me. Aren't they better falling out with you for taking your stand and telling them their need of salvation? Aren't they better falling out with you in your workplace and you taking your stand? Because we're going to look at this. You are the salt of the earth, what it really means. Aren't they better falling out with you, not speaking to you for a while or forever, and maybe hearing the words of eternal life that will save their soul? Are they not better hearing it than dropping into a devil's hell? My family, well, what's left of my family? My family have known from I got saved day one that I'm saved, that I love the Lord Jesus Christ that they are sinners and he is the only saviour and without him they'll be lost forever. They still know it to this day. They still know it to this day. 
Notice in verse 21, the Lord shall separate him unto evil out of all the tribes of Israel according to the curses of the covenant that are written in this book of the law. So that the generation to come of your children shall rise up after you and the stranger that shall come from a far land. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Shall say when they see the plagues of that land and the sickness which the Lord hath laid upon it and that the whole land thereof is, notice, brimstone and salt. Here is the Lord bringing salt into it. Uh, that, in other words, what he's saying here is there's judgment. They'll say they're weak. They're ready for defeat, for the plucking and for the burning. And salt gives the idea where God says, when they see that there's no life in you anymore, no life in you, and they see that they have died, spiritually dying before God. Then comes in notice and the burning that it is not, is not sown, nor birth, nor any grass groweth in like the overthrow of Sodom. Here he's showing the judgment would be the same. Look, just because we hear of Sodom and Gomorrah being judged, and just because we think of uh, nations that are uh, predominantly, except for some people maybe saved in them, uh, they're predominantly whatever religion that they're, oh, they'll be burnt up and all this. Listen, the ungodly in this world will be burnt up. Our nation will come under this. Gomorrah, Adma, Zeboam, which the Lord overthrew in his anger and his wrath. Notice, even all nations shall say, Wherefore hath the Lord done thus unto this land? What meaneth the heat of this great anger? The heat, notice, the heat of this great anger. Then men shall say, Because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord God of their fathers, which he made with them when he brought them forth out of the land of Egypt. For they went and served other gods and worshipped them, gods whom they knew not and whom he had not given unto them. Notice, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against this land to bring upon it the curses that are written in this book. And the Lord rooted them out of the anger, out their anger, their land party in anger and in wrath and in great indignation and cast them into another land as it is this day. Now, notice verse 29. I trust you're in, I trust when we read this that you're the one who knows the things of God. The sacred things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us. Listen, the secrets of the Lord are given to us. Think about this. The secrets of the salvation and the power of the blood the secrets of the Holy Ghost and the secrets of holiness in, the, in our lives and in the land, the secrets of what God's going to do, the secrets of prophecy and the prophetic word, the secrets of God are being given and revealed unto his church. And many people look at it and they just can't see it. When you are at home and whether you you read the newspaper. I don't read newspapers, but whatever you read or you listen to a news or some debating program and maybe it's even politics and you hear what they're saying and the thing, things are being implemented into our nation and into our land and, and all of these things. And we see the European Union and the, the world banking system and we're, we're looking, what do you see, brethren, sisters? What does, what's the revelation of the secrets of God to you? time I see it, it's like, there's that scripture. There's that coming to pass. That's what God says. And I can't, I can't open it and, and just show everyone it. I can't, uh, I, I can't explain it fully, nor outright or properly, but I see it, and I feel it, and I believe it, because God has said it. And the world hates it. But it's coming. Those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. So salt, you can see here, the Lord says there'll be a time of brimstone and salt like Sodom. In other words, it's going to be a time when your commerce won't work. Where you'll be enslaved even in the things of your nation. We're see, we've seen that for 40 years. 
because we turned away from God. We have looked at other things. I notice. Also in, for example, Joshua 15, in the land of Judah, there was all these cities are named, and one of them stands out and is called the city of salt. It's like the Holy Spirit says, look, here is that part of judgment. And then in 2 Samuel chapter 8 and verse 13, if you want to turn to it quickly, we'll do this one. 2 Samuel chapter 8 verse 13. And notice, just let me find it too. It says, And David got him a name when he returned from smiting the Syrians in the Valley of Salt, being 18,000 men. Notice, the Valley of Salt is likened on to this place of slaughter where everything is dead. It's poisoned. And he put garrisons in Edom. In fact, when you look, if you were to look at the Septuagint, that's the Greek version of the Old Testament, you, what you would find is the Syrian there, actually some of them put it down as the Edomites. And now here he says in verse 14, he put garrisons in Edom, throughout all Edom, he put garrisons in all they of Edom because of David's servants and the Lord. Notice, preserve David. Here's preservation in the midst of all that's going on. Can you see how God can preserve us in the midst of all of this? Preserving David, giving David a name, what of, of champion and of victor. Brothers and sisters, do we not realize that in this time, this day, and this age that we live in, that within us is the Holy Ghost, that we have the word of authority, the word of God and power? Do we not realize that you and I, we are the salt of the earth? Do we not realize in our workplace, in our home, in society, whether you're online or offline, wherever you may be, where this word has you, where the Lord has set you, ye are the salt of the earth and ye are a victor. Get yourself a name for God. Get yourself a name for the Lord. I have a name. I have a few names. Some aren't nice. No one, no one likes to be the one who's the hate monger and the, the scaremonger. And no one likes to be called, you know, this guy here, he's so hard. And, and I've been called in recent weeks, got a, even recently I've been called a few names of you're too hard, you're too direct and you're too straight. And you're, Brothers and sisters, in these last days, I know where I was saved from. Do you know where I was saved from? I was slave from a pit. I was slave from a Mary Clay. I was saved from alcohol and drug addiction. I was saved from a broad road to destruction. I was saved on the road to hell and Christ plucked me from it that I may go forth and preach his word. And he's done it for you too. Save the serve. I know my brother, I'll not mention him, he's here tonight, he's sitting over here. <laughs> sitting down there. And he preaches all over, he's not preaching usually the way most Sundays preaching. Comes here then, obviously he's part of our assembly. And he'll tell you afterwards. There's times he goes and he preaches the blood and he's told not to come back. If you're going to preach the power of God and the cross, don't come back. Brothers and sisters, and he isn't told it by the ungodly. He's told it by the believers. So we see here, David was in the valley of salt where nothing grows. 18,000 men had died. And God says, but see him. In the midst of all of this valley of salt, in the midst of this where nothing grows, here is a pillar. Not dead, but alive, given a name by God, and preserved of the Lord. So salt can be for preservation or poisoning. Salt, although mentioned much, as we have shown you, was very much a rare and precious commodity. For example, Roman soldiers were paid wages at times in salt. That's where you get the saying from, 
He's worth his salt. He's worth his salt. When someone shows themselves, I don't think even some of the younger ones now will know this, but when someone showed themselves maybe faithful or true or decent or helpful or, or pleasant or generally friendly, you say, we used to say they are the salt of the earth as if that was what it was. And, and we understood that, but it's more than that, brothers and sisters. It's more than being friendly. Much more. We're going to look at that for a few moments this evening. When the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 13, ye are the salt of the earth, I do believe that he alluded to those things, but so much more. For example, this covenant of salt. Two times in the Old Testament, it is, it's mentioned a covenant of salt twice. And then once it's called the salt of the covenant. Let's look at it, shall we? Let's go to Leviticus chapter 2, please. Leviticus chapter 2. And people say, well, who wants to go to Leviticus? Who wants to go to the Old Testament? Brothers and sisters, do you realize you can't fully know the New Testament if you don't know the Old? Leviticus chapter 2, please. And let's just let your eye run down to verse 4. And if I bring an oblation of a meat offering, bacon in the oven, it shall be unleavened cakes of fine flour mingled with oil or unleavened wafers with anointed with oil. And if thy oblation be a meat offering, bacon in a pan, it shall be of fine flour, unleavened, mingled with oil. Thou art, if thou, pardon me, verse 6, thou shalt part it in pieces and pour oil thereon, it is a meat offering. So God's talking about all of these offerings. Now, I need you to stay with me here. You ready? Verse 12. Because you can go through all of those. As for the oblation of the first fruits. Would you say first fruits? fruits. See here. Now we're going to look at this. This is a first fruit offering. As for the oblation of first fruits, you shall offer them unto the Lord. But they shall not be burned on the altar for a sweet savour. And every oblation. Notice every one of them. Right? Every oblation of thy meat. Offering shalt thy season with salt, neither shalt thy suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from thy meat offering. With all thine offering thou shalt offer salt. Will you go to the second one, please? And the second one is found in the book of Numbers. I'll explain a little bit more in a moment. Book of Numbers. I just want to bring the three of them together. And it's Numbers 18. And verse 19. Numbers 18, verse 19. All the heave offerings of the holy things which the children of Israel offer unto the Lord have I given thee, and thy sons and thy daughters with thee. By a statute forever, it is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord unto thee unto thy seed. Here the Lord is speaking to Aaron and the priesthood, okay? The priesthood of Israel. And then our third one is in Second Chronicles chapter 13, please. Second Chronicles in chapter 13. Now in the 18th year of King Jeroboam began Abijah to reign over Judah. He reigned three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Micaiah, the daughter of Uriel of Gabeah. And there was war between Abijah and Jeroboam. Let me just stop there. Abijah and Jeroboam are the two kings. I teach it all the time of the two uh, nations or the two kingdoms of, of the house of Israel in the north, the house of Judah in the south. Jeroboam was the king in Samaria. That is the northern capital of Israel. Remember, Israel split into two kingdoms. So this is the two kings. Judah become known later as Jews, second kings, or pardon me, later in time from the split as Jews, second kings, chapter 16 and 6, I think, is the first biblical mention of the word Jews, J-E-W-S. And they're fighting against Israel. <laughs> so here they are, the two kings, 
And verse 3 says, And Abijah set the battle in array with an army of valiant men of war, even 400,000 chosen men. Jeroboam also set the battle in array against him with 800,000 chosen men, being mighty men of valor. And Abijah stood up upon the Mount Zemariam, which is in Mount Ephraim, and said, Hear me, thou Jeroboam and all Israel. Ought ye not to know that the Lord God of Israel gave the kingdom over to over Israel to David forever, even to him and his to his sons by a covenant of salt? So here we have Abijah, the king of Judah in Jerusalem from the line of David, is now looking northward. They're about to war with these great armies, and Israel are in the north, Judah are in the south. The kings are coming, and here Abijah says, The Lord gave all Israel, David all Israel, by a covenant of salt. A covenant of salt. Notice this, first of all. Each of the covenants are with meat. The meat offering and the salt was added in. The meat offering, as I'm sure we all know, means shedding of blood. The meat offering is uh, not only a, a type of worship, but brings to God that which has already been done. It means the innocent must die for the guilty. A substitutionary sacrifice has been made. The animal in the place of Israel. And of course, it was seasoned every time with salt. Now this is, as we, I'm sure we're aware, this is a foreshadowing of the Lord Jesus Christ. The blood was shed, Christ's blood. He was, as it were, the meat offering. And the only thing that we can offer as a, 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 to the Lord for our sin, to his Father for our sin, is that which Christ has done. And of course then, it's a substitutionary sacrifice where Christ died for us in our place. The innocent, the Lord Jesus, dying for us, the guilty. And because of this, that's how we come into God's presence. That's how we're saved. That's how we're forgiven and washed from our sins is through that offering. Now listen, salt was to be added to it to cement, as it were, the covenant between them. So notice it is a salt covenant. A covenant is an agreement between two people, peoples or parties. So as I said, salt is a preservative and it gives the idea of something that is enduring and unchanging, and incorruptible because of the, the character of salt in itself. It gives the idea of something as enduring, unchanging, and incorruptible. Salt also spoke of friendship. Friendship. In ancient customs, once you had eaten a man's salt, fights you for dinner, so you imagine... I go here to Norman and Heather's house and they say, come round for dinner. Anytime you like, you know. <laughs> so, so come round for dinner and I go round for dinner and they set me down a nice dinner. And there's, you always expect salt to be on the table, don't you? They eat off your salt. Remember, it's a precious commodity. So once you sat down, salt was offered and what you were saying was, I value who you are. And I value what you have done. And I value coming here. And I value your friendship. And so the old saying was that if you've at, of eaten of a man's salt, you were his friend for life. You'll not get rid of me. <laughs> You're his friend for life. The sacrifice was seasoned with salt was a reminder that Yahweh, in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ came down and that he through his own doing and dying, bloodletting and shedding purposely for our sin, we season it as it were, the covenant with the salt of our friendship to say this, Lord, we appreciate all that you have done. We appreciate everything who you are. We appreciate you've come to save us from our sins. Lord, we appreciate that we're able to eat at your table. We're friends forever. 
Brothers and sisters, this was the covenant that God had made, first of all, with Israel in their worship. And secondly, with the priesthood of Aaron and his sons. And thirdly, with the king of Israel, David. He says, we're friends. We're no longer enemies. Brothers and sisters, when you and I are in Christ, we're friends. We're no longer enemies of God. So Salt spoke of a friendship. Salt was a reminder. You ready? Salt was a reminder of a preservation of truth. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, the same as in the beginning with God. Without him was not anything made that was made. John 1, verses 1 to 3, and verse 14. And the Word was made. What is it? Flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so here is our meat offering, as it were. Christ sacrificed the Lamb of God. I notice this. Because the word represents those who are in the covenant of salt, and salt represents the preservative of the word. And this is important because in the land, the time, the nation, the society that we live in, this is important for every one of you. Since Jesus is the word and the sacrifice, remember our first scripture, salt with the meat. Every oblation was a what? First fruit? I got to repeat first fruit. Christ, we're told, is our first fruit. Isn't that right? It's risen from the dead. We're told that Christ, the first fruits, has risen. So here is our first fruit. In other words, Christ is first. You have left your first love, he says to the Ephesian church in Revelation chapter 2. He says, you've left loving me as the way you did. And he says, I'm your first love. Christ should be first in all that we are and all that we do. Christ is first in our lives and in our homes. Christ should be the very first in everything that we are. Now, the preserver of that is the salt. Ye are the salt of the earth. And so the word, the Lord Jesus is the word made flesh, isn't that right? Was with the Father. And he comes down. And he is the prophet of God. Allah did not send Muhammad And he is the prophet of God. Christ is not only the son of the living God. He's the word of God. And he's a prophet of God. How do you know? Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 and 2. God who at sundry times and divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. So the word came through the prophets to Israel. Half in these last days spoken unto us by his son. So here we have the first oblation, the first fruit is prophets. You know what we need in Ulster tonight? Do you know what we need in the United Kingdom tonight? Do you know what we need in, in these islands, Ireland tonight? Do you know what we need? We need prophets again. We need men and women who have that revelation we had spoken about from Deuteronomy chapter 29. Men who are going into the closet to receive the word of God to the people. To bring revelation of the word. To bring revelation through the word. That men and women would have their blinded eyes open. Be able to see their need of Christ. And be able to see the way through the situations of our nation. And so here we have the prophet. Christ is the prophet. And then the second covenant of salt was with Aaron and his sons, the priest. That priesthood died in Christ, the Melchizedek priesthood. The everlasting priesthood. He is a, he's our great high priest ascended into the heavens for us. And we find since he's our great high priest who's ascended into heavens for us, you ready? As he is, so are we also. We're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So not only do we need prophets to bring the word of God to man, We need priests. You and I are kings and priests unto God, says the word of God. And so you and I should be able to bring men and women unto God. We're searching and seeking the face of God. 
And then in the third covenant of salt, we have the prophet, of the priest, we have the king. David was promised he would not want for a man to sit upon his throne. That is the earthly throne. That has happened. I believe Queen Elizabeth still sits in that throne. But Christ, when he comes, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Notice you and I are kings and priests unto God. We are the ones who are to preach the word and to prophesy to the nation the things that are to come. We and I, you and I are to offer to put the salt in it. And listen, it has to cost us. Did you get that, brother, sister? Did you get it, church? Listen, salt purifies, it stops the rot. It holds back rottenness. What do you think we're to do when we're in our nation? To hold back that rottenness? It seasons in other words, it, it's, it tastes things that has no taste. And it draws, it draws water, as it were. It creates a thirst that you and I, if you and I start watering down the Word of God, or if you and I are not being the salt of the earth, you know what happens? It, it becomes tasteless and worthless, as Jesus said. We'll look at it before we close. The Word of God, as we preach, should create a, a thirst for more. It costs, it's cost from the day Jesus said this. It cost the apostles their lives. It cost the early church their lives. It cost the reformers their lives. They were thrown to lions. They were burnt at the stake. Listen, and it even cost the early Pentecostals. No one wanted to know them. And everybody turned them away. It cost men and women with fresh revelation of God who brought God through the word to the people and it's costing and it's going to cost again in our nation and in our land. It's going to cost you and it's going to cost me who's willing to stand up and to speak out and to say thus and thus saith the Lord. Prophets and priests and kings unto God. How's our lives, brothers and sisters, as Christians in our nation? Yes, it heals. See in this word, in the words of healing, healing of the soul and of the body. See in this, this word, it also salt stings. It stings. There are those who hear the word, and boy, does it hurt. Does it hurt? But as I said, salt poisons. In other words, there are those who reject it. And they die without God. They die without Christ. And they die without hope in this world. Ye are the salt of the earth, brother, sister. Preserve the truth. Ye are the salt of the earth. Preach the word. Notice this. And James 4 and 4 says, he says, Know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Do you know one of the worst things for me? I'll speak about me. One of the, the worst things for me. It's not the word that bothers me. And the word might want to take us at some point and put us into prison and shut us up. Yeah, but it's not really the word. You know what it is? It's the, it's the salt that's lost its savor. Other Christians, they're the worst critics. And they're the ones who want to be part of the world to make it easy. They want to live like the world to go under the radar. And they want to be soft with the world. They'll come under no criticism. And listen to what the word says. Know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? 
Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. I can say things and I don't mean to offend anybody. I don't mean to hurt anybody. This is the truth. Do you see all those who are unsaved out there? And all those who are saved who join them and they walk in the lake of the pride parade? Or they stand and say they're Christian or non-Christian for the abortion issue? Slaughter of babies in the womb. Or do you see the, the heterosex that goes out every weekend and gets drunk and fornicates around the place? Or do you see the religious that hates the word of God? I was talking to a man this week. A relative had died. He was at his church every week. Oh, he would go to his church. A Protestant church. He would go to his church. I'm a good Protestant. He was not indeed. He would go to his church every week. But he didn't want Christ. And his minister stood up at his funeral and said, He's in glory now in heaven. Only it was a funeral, I would stand up and rebuke him. Brothers and sisters and friends, the salt has lost its savor in many places. With many men and women, they are the enemy of God. Friendship of the world is the enemy of God. Do you see when you're there in those places, not saying you personally, but when others are there in those places doing those things and walking away from God, they are the enemy of God. I'm going to close. Thank you for your attention. Jesus says, ye are the salt of the earth. Let's look at the verse for a moment. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt, notice, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Now, salt seasons. Ask Job. Job says in Job 6 and 6, Can that which is unsavory be eaten without salt? Or is there any taste in the white of an egg? Imagine that in the scripture. Did you know that was there? Do you ever taste the white of an egg? He's right, isn't it? You need to be a bit of salt on it. I wonder how many sermons are preached across Ulster tonight and there's no salt in the white of the egg. Think about it. There's no salt on the white of the egg. In Second Corinthians chapter two. Second Corinthians chapter two, please. Listen to what Paul says about savor. You ready? This is you, this is me, this is your job, brother. This is your job, sister. Ye are the salt of the earth. It's up to you and it's up to me. No matter what way the world is going, no matter what way church and denomination is going, or whoever or what way anybody's going, this is up to you and up to me. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 2, please. Let me just get it myself. And let your eye run down to verse 14. Now thanks be unto God which always causeth us to triumph. Isn't that fantastic? Think about this. Come on. Think about this. You're seeing a world of darkness and dread all around us. You're seeing all these problems and you're seeing all of the things, the lobbyist groups, and you're seeing them rising up high above us and you're seeing all of these other uh, religions and nations coming in and taking over the land and taking over our Christian heritage and you're seeing the preacher on the street being arrested while the hate Islamic preacher is allowed to say what he wants and you're seeing all of these banners flying high but whenever once you raise one that says anything about Christ, you're a hate monger. You're seeing all of that but listen to what the Word of God says. Now thanks be unto God which always causes us to triumph. In Christ. 
I'm triumphant tonight. Church, are you not triumphant tonight? We have much to rejoice in. It's like the old hymn writer wrote, Praise my soul, the King of heaven. To his feet thy tribute bring, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven, who like me his praise should sing. Praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise the everlasting King. Father, like he tends and spares us, here, feeble frame he knows. In his hands he gently bears us, rescues us from all our foes. Praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him widely as his mercy flows. We are triumphant in Christ, more than conquerors through him that loved us. No, notice now, thanks be unto God which always. Would you say always? always. He didn't say sometimes. Always causeth us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest. Notice the savour of his knowledge by us in every place. You ready? Look at this. For we are unto God a sweet savour of Christ and them that are saved. And in them that perish, notice to the one, we are the savour of death unto death and to the other, the savour of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as many which corrupt. Notice the preserving of the word, the salt of the earth. We are not as many that corrupt the word of God, but as some of sincerity, but as, but as of God in the sight of God speak we in Christ. Notice life and death. Preservation or poison. Preservation. Poison. Matthew 13. Promise you we're closing. The last one was a false alarm. <laughs> this one is it. But ye are the salt of the earth. If the salt have lost its savour, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing to be cast out and be trod under foot. Would you say savour? Now Paul says we're savour of death unto death or life unto life. Isn't that right? What sort of salt are we? Salt in itself, uh, sodium chloride. Is there any pharmacists here? I think that's the right word. It really doesn't lose its savor in its own character. That's the idea. What Christ is bringing to say, look, this covenant is enduring. This, this doesn't lose its savor. So how does it lose its savor when Jesus said this? The idea is that it can only lose its savor by either mixing it with something else like water. It starts to water it down. So you get a, a, a tub of salt and you pour a little bit of water on it, still salty, and more water and more, and then salty water. Salt's still there, hasn't lost its savor. But you keep pouring it in after gallon after gallon, the salt loses its, its savor, and more or less you just taste the water, depending how much water you pour into it. So it's either through that or through impurities that would be in the salt and couldn't be used. The word savor here is the word morino. Morino. Listen to what it means. To be foolish. To be foolish. Its root word, morino, savor, its root word is moros. It's where you and I get our English word moron from. You're the salt of the world, and if you become a moron, that's what it means. What you're preaching. Paul says that, that speaks of that we save some by the foolishness of preaching. He didn't say we save them by foolish preaching. Moros means dull, 
You ready? Stupid. It gives the idea you're stupid as if you're shut up. You can't speak out. It means you're morally a moron. And here's one word for I thought this was strange. Blockhead. That's what it means. So here's my finishing thought with this. Jesus says, you are the light of the, or pardon me, you are the salt of the light's next. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt hath lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? He's saying, if you are to preserve the word of God, you are to be the salt of the covenant, that is, from the finished work of Christ, salted with worship. Worship costs you, you know. You're to preserve the word wherever you are, whoever you speak to, wherever you go. Preserve it in your land and in your nation. Preserve it from government. But if you start allowing it to lose its savor or saltiness, in other words, if you start becoming foolish and you start allowing it to be watered down, or if you start allowing it to be uh, putrefied instead of it holding back the putrefaction, he says, then what else is going to salt it? We're not only speaking about our individual lives. Here's what we're already speaking about. Speaking about church authority and church leaders. Do you see all the churches that got together and went, prayed to God and with other religions over in America to bless the abortion clinic? God bless this abortion clinic, this slaughterhouse, murder of innocents in the wood. God won't bless that. God will judge that. We're meant to be salt. What about salt whenever we're hearing about the ecumenical movement that's taking place? If you lose your saltiness, what if we all lost our saltiness and became watered down? What about the places where our brother unnamed is sitting over there about those places when they say, don't preach the cross, don't preach the cross work of Christ, don't preach the blood. What about the places who don't want the Holy Ghost? The preaching of the things of the Spirit. What about the places that don't want the Bible, the book of God? The salt is losing its savor. They became fools, it means. It's fit to be cast out and trodden underfoot. So here's my last thought. I'll tell you what it could mean. Because we're not sure. What it could mean. In the days of when this was written in the synagogue, if a Jew became an apostate, they cast him out of the synagogue. It wasn't about back. But if that said Jew was to say, I am now returning, I am believing in... Judaism and so forth. You know what they did? They let him down at the door of the synagogue and every Jew walking in stood on him and walked in. Stood on him. Now I'm not saying if someone backslides but they get them to walk down to the back. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, this is how serious this is when Jesus says, listen, church, Listen, brother, listen, sister. He says, you're the salt of the earth. Now, do you see if you start becoming diluted or polluted? It's like some of the the charismaniac stuff you're seeing today. It's not the Holy Ghost. I'm a Pentecostal, unashamed, but that's not the Holy Ghost. Some of stuff I've seen recently has been woeful. Listen, brothers and sisters, do you see when the government are standing up and that persecution, the ethics of the kingdom, the persecution's coming? He says, You're the salt of the earth. See, when it comes, it's up to you and I 
are we going to preserve the word? Keep preaching the blood. Keep preaching the book. Keep looking for the prophet of the nation. Are we going to be kings and priests in the land? Till the king of kings comes. False to us. Ye are the salt of the earth. Covenant of salt. God bless us all tonight. Jesus' name. Amen.